Hey, welcome back. This is your girl Cotton on her perspective of a true man. And today I am going to share a previously recorded session that I had an event um, that's called Real Talk with Real Men. And at this event, I had the privilege of really speaking and sitting down with about eight gentlemen that really were willing to share their true story and their journey as far as being a father and a husband and you know, all the other dynamics that falls into that when you are a man trying to do the right thing. Um, I was just very honored and very privileged to sit in on this conversation and just listen to the men um, talk about what it's like being a true man. So sit back and relax. Here's part one of Men, Can We Talk? Enjoy. Yeah. 
that you are your character, your integrity, you know, your, your personality, all these things make you, but also your life experiences come loaded to you. And so this is what a lot of people don't get to hear and a lot of people don't share. So being the fact that you all have had this little dialogue, I didn't write any specific questions. We just gonna roll with it. And whatever happens, happens, because I think it's gonna bless whoever's listening, whoever's here, whoever wants to ask a question, they'll be able to get a real life honest answer. So I wanna thank all my brothers for showing up. I know this is not something that we normally do, but we normally do it with our functions, but you know, out in the open, we're very um, transparent transparent inside, you know, as far as us dealing with each other and all of our events and, uh, and um, but I appreciate you brothers for coming out. I think it's extremely important and, you know, we get a lot off of our chest and talk about issues that, that really involve black men and everything that we're going through from stress and the jobs and just going through life in general. I think there's a lot of issues that we really need to touch on community wise um, and just being a man. Personally, I feel like masculinity has been under attack for a while. And um, you know, that's something that I, I definitely think that we need to address and, and we need to put a, a stop to it because it's, it's just getting out of control. You know, men can't be men And um, I think it's extremely important for us to have this dialogue. And again, I'm Cedric Simon. So happy to be here today, and I'm just anxious to hear what you brothers are thinking and um, how can we get better. Yeah, not only that, but so this is interactive. Don't be afraid to expect that. This is an actual interactive where we talk together. Everyone in this room has a chance to share. You know, for those that are married, you have a, a different dynamic when you're married. Things might be different. Those that are single, our dynamics are different. Some of those, some of those that are single are looking to be there. So we need to be able to hear and understand how a man thinks, how he feels, what's going on, what we need to pay attention to. You know, instead of being so emotionally charged all the time, it's a coincidence. Oh, there you go. You know, and accept the person for who they are. I say all the time, you need to come on.
Cedric Simon Jr. enjoys sharing lessons from his life, his love for living life to the fullest, influenced by a European upbringing as a child, then growing as a preteen through adult years uh, in Southeast DC, but now in Helen Burroughs neighborhood. Cedric intimately knew what it felt like to be an outcast, most importantly, he knew how unkind the parent or religion life could be. He lost his father to heart disease at the age of 14, but at the same time, he learned to be shrewd and resourceful for it to be successful. As a result of all this, Cedric began living out the refrain of kindred and family soul. I want all my people around me, everybody eating good, living good, everybody chilling. And to that end, Cedric has mentored the initial classes of the five and six year old boys in the New York County Division of Water School for Boys at Southeast DC. Gather friends and family to feed the homeless in this project team uh, of engineers and techs and commercial real estate for over 22 years. There's more to say about it, but you'll get to know. Jordan Whitaker, up next. Jordan Whitaker's life lessons have shaped him into a 53 year old wise man who finds contentment in his committed relationship with a beautiful neighbor named Darina. She's beautiful. As a lead engineer, an electrician mechanic, uh, electrical mechanic, sorry. And Christian Jordan loves sports, especially football, as well as loves to travel, enjoy meeting people from all aspects of the world, their culture and interests. He enjoys listening to and having conversations about life itself and the challenges it offers. So then next, I did it in Alpha Mr. Phil Philip Winstead. Uh, Philip Winstead is a certified professional image consultant. Image consultant. Uh, and owner of Continuum continue Image Consulting. As an image consultant, Phil assists men with selecting a wardrobe that is consistent with their personality, one that allows what he calls their image from within to express itself. He says, each of us has our own style, but many of us do not have the confidence or knowledge to allow it to live outside of our comfort zone. Philip has 27 years experience as a paralegal and is a 20 year cancer survivor. Phil is in the process of writing his first book entitled, I Almost Dream of Mine. Then we have Mr. Antoine Davis. Antoine Davis, husband of his best friend Kim, she's awesome, she's so awesome, and proud father of his twin son Donovan, and very much loves his adult daughter, Jamara. Antoine is a well read, well traveled man. And form of merchandise. He enjoys traveling with his wife, working on entrepreneurial ventures, and believes in the benefit of being in the God's promises for his life. Um, then we have Mr. Roland Simpkins. Roland Simpkins is a DC, Washington, D.C. native, a devoted father of three, one girl, and a son of twin boys. He has been married for seven years to his better half and beautiful wife, Shawan Simpkins. Roland was recently ordained as the which is a non-denominational Bible-based church. Since graduating from Eastern Senior High School, he's attended UDC and later graduated from George Mason's studying facility management. Roland likes to spend time with family, cook, and satisfy his mindful soul barbecue customers, coach, and play basketball. And last but not least at all is Mr. Wayne Walker, native Washingtonian resident Sir Wall, born Wayne Waller, is a lifestyle ambassador with more than 10 years of event marketing experience, in addition to radio and television entertainment. Wayne possesses a full 
the Spirit. He knows what, it, what he likes and how he wants to live his life. He likes to surround himself with great friends and wonderful family. Wayne welcomes your lives and comes in the energy and truly believes that he can learn something from everyone he meets. There's your family. Day I was at work, and my, you know, I write a lot, so this is something that I wrote. So many times we are looking for Mr. Right, and all the while finding Mr. Wrong. We're looking for him to encourage us, but he can't encourage himself. We're looking for him to be the savior, and yet he has yet to find the savior uh, himself and God. We're looking for him to be strong for us, but who is the strength for him? Who is my black man? What does so we have to think about that. That's a good question. You know, who is my black man and what does he hope for? Because we put sometimes real unrealistic pressures on, on us, our, our significant others, our, our male children, um, men in general as women. But we don't have a clear understanding of who they are and the things that they're challenged with that they go through every day. You know, I can say I have two, you know, two young brothers, you know, grown folks. And so every day, you know, when they were growing up, I had to remind them, no matter what your ethnicity and the difficulties that you encounter every day, your friends can be getting raised, you still go out. At the end of the day, something goes down, they see you as black. They don't see you as just a, a young man doing the right thing. They see you as a young black man that may be mischief and something could be happening and talking on. So I just have to remind them every day because I want them to understand one, who you are and be strong in that, but two, understand that you're surpassing to the people that are around you. You know, and so when you grow up um, in a time where people don't really talk and people don't want to share, as a single parent, you have to make sure that your children are covered so this year, your children are And I think to touch onto that, there's uh, there's a notion too that have we failed, you know, as far as the, you know, both and I sometimes always talk about the millennials and some of the issues and stuff that blacks have in general within our communities. And are we doing enough? You know, that's the first question I ask myself. A lot of times that, you know, I know we go through life and we talk about these issues and talk about the generation that's, you know, underneath us. And, and, and sometimes I ask myself, did, did we need to do it? Did we do it? You know, uh, we have so many issues and I don't even want to go and get the social media thing, you know, because it's just so hard to go through life in general. And, you know, as a black man, I have all of this pressure on dealing with life, dealing with jobs, dealing with my responsibilities. And, um, and just everything that surrounds responsibility, it's a lot. It's a lot that sometimes I kind of uh, walk away from doing more than I should to help the next generation. And I like to think of myself <laughs> a lot, but I don't think that we do enough. And sometimes we have this talk with some of my brothers, you know, how are we doing for What's wrong with the, the generation that's behind us? Um, and um, I think that we just have 
a lot of issues that we just need to tend to and just have a conversation about that are we doing enough and you know what are some of the things that we can change as far as uh, you know my youth and basically just to get our community back in order. Well, what would happen if all the guys answered that? Yeah, what do you think about your
He didn't know, and he had no idea how to confront or approach a man and say, how you doing, sir? My name is so-and-so. He just didn't know. And me and my mom, they were like, what do you mean you don't know? And then I had to sit back and say, well, is this what's going on? Is this what we're losing our contact? Is this what we're losing if we're not teaching these young men? These etiquettes, right? Mm-hmm. These small things that we take for granted. Like, wow. Then I had to say to myself, why you doing don't be angry. Because once they say you just don't know, that was one where I figured out. You really don't know. And I just couldn't get my grips on it. And until that situation happened, the whole person, I had to say, okay, something happened. Yeah. I had to make I had to make a difference. That's what I said, I had to take on this broad uh, 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 responsibility that I had to start paying more attention to the young men and wonder why they are reacting and how they're speaking because they may just don't know. Just because I had that advantage doesn't right. to me they have. And I just kind of looked at my niece and looked at my sister's face. It's amazing how much information you get just by emotions. Not even verbal things have to come out. And I said, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So speaking on, do you need to do more and speaking on words about this whole race? A young future black man. And so, you know, my first child was to my daughter, so being a young young man, you have no, if you didn't have a father like I did, nobody could teach you the ropes. And by what I mean by teaching you the ropes now that I'm older and I have my own son, now I know some of the things that I can show and teach me that I didn't get. You know how to talk to another man. Uh, you know, I to pull out, I pull open the door for a Never got to any of those lessons. So, when coming up and not having a father, I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, mother doing the best she could, hustling, making it the best I can. And now that I have a son, I suppose very quickly I'm there every second that I've watched everything he does. Because I know what he's going to want to So, all the other things that I grew up not knowing, I'm now going into him and talking to other young men and explaining to them what they don't know because I know they don't know. Because they know a lot of young men and fathers are not. And for the ones who are there, I hope they know enough to teach them because it's very hard. That's why I let my son know, you know, that's even at seven. I'll ask another day, what kind of man do you have to think about? What kind of man do you want to be? What kind of man do you want to be? I'm telling you myself. Yeah. He looked at me and he was like, I'm Davis, man. I said, okay, that's good. That's your name. That's our name. So, what does that mean? Right. I'm a that's going to take care of you. And I'm teaching them and instilling these things to it at seven years old. Yeah. But that's one of the things you said we're coming because we don't have enough knowledge and understanding to teach the young men how to become honorable men to be able to be good men for women. So I don't think enough dialogue goes on between in the family. So the unit has been broken up. The black family has been broken so badly. And that's part of the problem. That's why a lot of women can't find good men. And some men can't find good women because the family unit is destroyed. That's a generational thing that we watch to 
I'm going all the way back to slavery because we still, and I still looking here, looking over my eyes to see that people still live within an enslaved mindset. You know, and so if you're enslaved in your mind and you're still building off the stuff that happened years ago, the life has moved on, and you're still there, you can't move if you're not. If if you don't know, you're not trying to know. And I remember one time being at work, and um, I had like 25 guys that worked with me. And so we were having this dialogue. Because I'm like, yo, you represent me. Like, when you leave out of this department, you go to wherever you got to go, that's a representation of me. And if it ain't looking good, it's going to be a problem because I'm not dealing with that. You know, and so I had to break down some things about being a young black man and what it represents me. And Antoine said, my dad used to say to us all the time, all you got is your name and your work. If you lose those two, it's a wrap. So all you have is your name and your work. And that's what I told my boys growing up. All you got is your name and your work. If your name is good and your work is good, then you're going to be good all your life because somebody's going to look out for you. But if your name goes bad, they have something to do, and your work sucks because you don't want to do the right thing, People are not going to do what they would do normally if they would extend themselves because they know you, are, you know, your character is different and it needs to work something. You know, and so it really, I mean, everything like that's being said resonates, you know, being able to have marriage to likeness, being able to speak and address as a young man going to a man, you know, and they can't help it if they don't know, they don't know. You know, and as mothers, a lot of mothers are not men. I keep telling you, I'm not men. I'm not a man. I gotta get somebody to help that. When I need my kids to be knocked out, I'm just saying, I'm saying that I gotta go home with a man and do that for me. So I don't have to sit there and go through all that, but they have to have someone in their life that says, This is the direction. And if you veer to the left, veer to the right, it will mess you up. So you gotta stay focused. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about when we're full grown, full fledged, and have families and we're making impact in our world? We're still walking around, we don't, we don't know how to raise We didn't raise them. We don't know how to treat one another. It, it's such a dilemma dynamics from so many ways when you've been younger and making an impact and you've been older and you're too proud and too old and too dumb to know. And you perpetuate that in the earth as well. Somebody else is influenced by you, a coworker, a neighbor. You're doing dumb stuff as you want to do. You're full grown, and you won't let anybody say you love about But we're still doing that. So it's like moments like this are times when real talk really, really needs to happen. Because cats have everything is grown, cars, homes, money, things like that. Plus, we're women, whatever the choices they may be. But we still have this. Little boy somewhere that's locked in and didn't get it right. Yeah. We got what we need and we're still not treating the lady right. Yeah, yeah. She's giving us everything we want. We still gotta have a side. And then the side was not enough because then we gotta get another side side side. <laughs> you got a lot of sides going up right now. You know, it's the time we say, okay, we talk about the young people, we just want to have our abilities. We are. But how do you, the thing is, how to address the little boy on the inside? Right. That's the key because until he's addressed to realize that he's good now and whatever. To understand the why we can do Exactly, because if you don't do that, you can never be healed. This is the same thing in conversation I have with a lot of women when I have 
go back and address the young girl. Is she still sitting there waiting on somebody to tell her she's okay? She's still waiting on somebody to confirm her, to affirm her, to let her know that no matter what, she's going to be good. And that's not, that's, that's fine. Let's go back to the top of what you said, like, we're only looking for Mr. Right. Oh, yeah. Stop looking. Be found by the guy. Yeah. Take it back to a day where, where a gentleman recognizes you, pursues you, and engage courtship. Engage You're so busy looking because you're trying to find pieces of this, of this, of that to replace this. And when it doesn't all fit together, then you find something else and another Mr. Right. But now, I don't need a Mr. Right now, but I can use a Mr. You got so many versions of that. And if you would just sit back and figure out your own job, when a gentleman that you do shows up for you, he may not be perfect. Right. But he will bring a balance that will find brightness for your journey. But we're so busy trying to think of you. I don't want my son not to have this. That's, that, that's another thing that messes up emotionally. Because there is no Mr. Right. There is no Mr. Right. We do things all well and we make mistakes too, but there is just no Mr. Right. There may be a Mr. Right for you. But there's no Mr. Right. There's nothing one thing that is the answer to all your woes and all your issues and all your past hurts. Some of the stuff you just gotta work through and, and you need somebody to love you while you fix you. How about that, Sage? They can't have love for you, to stand by you, to understand yeah. you, to endure you, while you, because it's your job to fix your job. It may not be your fault that you got junk. But it is your job to get it fixed. And sometimes you just need somebody to say, I have no idea what you're going through, but I'm here. If you decide to talk to me, you talk. If you need to go to it, I'm still here. If you never want to talk, I'm here. And at some point, you just need that reinforcement. So I mean, I don't think there's an answer one or not, but it's all these things that we, we try to pull so much from other people to fix our brokenness. And it's not there. I don't have to. We can walk a journey to find answers and hope, vision, and satisfaction, and feelings, but it's still your ultimate responsibility. And it's, it's a result of many, many different things, but it's an ongoing journey. It is. Because, you know, and, and the thing about being a, a real man and, and, and the beautiful on the inside is to allow yourself to be vulnerable. I think that's, you know, because sometimes when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, somebody takes advantage. And then, you know, yeah, but at the same time, when you do that, you know, my thing is this, and I say this, and I say it the time you say the rest of my family. When you love a person and you marry that person, all I need you to ask yourself is do I love them enough to be there for me? No matter what happens, good, bad, and different, do I love them enough that they mess up today and that's enough to make you say I'm not well, and no, you answer, did this. Right. But if the answer is no, then there's no need to be depressed about every single thing that's not worth dreading about it. You can't answer those questions always. Yeah. You don't, you know, you, you won't know until you go to be with them until you, until that shows up. And then your love for them won't grow until you get to so that. Yes. Yeah. You try to ask the big question on the topic, but then when the monster shows up, you're like, hey, that. That's something you gotta cultivate in time. You don't commit to the life when it works for you can. One of the uh, one of the mistakes I made, I was I said that this would be the last time I'm 
And the mistake that I made, and only until after the breakup, when I began to really seek out Christ more, the mistake I made, based upon what you just said, I put so much pressure on her to do for me what I wasn't willing to do for myself. And she was not fit to accommodate only what God could do for me. So even though she's human and she was my compatibility partner, she could only do what she could do. But I made a mistake of putting too much on her. And the thing is, some of the things that you have said already, I had a father. And my parents were married for a very long time, but my father did not know how to be a father. So the exposures of the streets and then, you know, him being negligent as far as being a father, because he never knew his father. So as I entered into a dog I'm 53 years old, even though I looked at his mistakes and were not to do moving forward as a man, I still found myself, even in my relationship, not being trained as a man to accommodate the responsibility of being a husband. And, uh, but I really like what you all are saying because I don't want to make that mistake moving forward, you know, so. I relate with him very much, so when you say you didn't have that, because I had a father too, but I was extremely masculine father. Um, when he had sixth grade education, so when you talk about that side of the male nurturing the father, I don't think he knew all of that. And I remember, and this, is, this is the key thing about when we talk about vulnerability uh, and women y'all being nurturing. I believe it was the fact that my mother nurturing personality, I would probably get really off the She came to me, and I remember I was a teenager, and she said something. She said, Don't hate your father. He just shuts out of relationship. And at first, I, I had no clue what she was saying until I became an adult. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So, 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 when he stepped on there, he closed the door, I got me your emotions. And I said, I don't know my eye. I said, what would I do? Yeah, I was emotional. Because all I could hear him is always chastising me. Nothing that I can do right. You need to cut the lawn. You find something wrong with that. You miss that patch of right? grass. <laughs> you know, just constantly about myself. Every time I come out, I'm like, Mother, they have a good time. Right. Pick up the shoes. Why are you toys? And so I had to stop myself for a second. I called him and I I'm telling you this because I want you to be a certain kind of I'm not. On your back, constantly. I love you. But you can't. When your mother's doing what she's doing to you, but I'm doing what she's doing. Two things is going to help you be the man that you want to be. So don't just leave me as chess out I got to watch it. Cause, you know, they, they play. You know, with your mother, they want to play all day. They, they want to play games. And she teaches them a lot. But when I come in, I'm kicking 10 guys. So like, hey, what's
she had to tone it, right? Help me tone it. So if it wasn't for the fact she helped me tone it, I might not be in city. Right. I'm pretty sure she came to a point when I was 18, 19 years old. She said, You got two options in mind. Jail or death. And that's why I was like, And I had some, like, me long story. I had my troubles. But anyway, I related with you, with you so truthfully because up until I became an adult, I had no clue when she stated that she made that comment. And I lost my mother at an early age. I was 24, 25 years when she passed away. It was amazing the time I had how much it still retains in my head and reflects in my life. And fortunately for me, and I would say fortunate and blessed by God, that relationship that I thought I had from this anger with my dad, we was able to rectify. Well, this is one thing about it. You said so earlier. You need somebody. The person who steered me in a position to be able to rectify this relationship with my father, she's no longer here. Now, this person I speak of, I was married to twice. My first wife died 11 years ago. She was the one that I never knew at the time that God gave me the experience and position to make that relationship with my father. A son and father relationship. And it's so funny, I smile at it because I remember when she said to me, I'm a real estate fan. I'm from DC. Oh, <laughs> so she said to me, She said, 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 and had no idea that she was creating this peace to bring us together. And it was amazing. And I was making I'm sharing with you God. Only came to me after as we speak, after we had to go through the conditions of our change in life. I had no clue that she was the puzzle to bring together our relationships and get that father and son relationship to die. And an interesting thing. My mother, one of her biggest prayers that she should have for my dad, she said, I hope you keep your father, close his eyes, be a fine guy. Whoever thought I would be that individual, that selected chosen person who at one time hated his father, disapproved of him, but I don't like the word hate. Say so disapproving him. And so when I say I don't even want to be like him, but every day I make it morning, I'm gonna be real about it. Before something I don't read you before, but it really enlightened me about life. And you never know what your life could accept these together. And it's so rewarding. And I have many brothers, there's not a lot of people in it. I guess it's the one thing about this brother here. I mean, it's such an amazing, he's amazing. And um, he, he, uh, he, he could see things that others don't see in you. And he offered you to come and I need to come home. But this opens a lot of doors because this, does, this tells me that a lot of brothers sit in on having these certain issues but not able to express it. And I realized, and I didn't even know, brother, I, I, I love you guys, I didn't know you. And this is a different thing. Here's a life I had a dad, but most people don't realize, even though I had a dad, I might be having much different experience than you did. Yeah. 
So it's just amazing to me uh, how this allows you to reflect. Because as black men, we don't know how to talk. We don't know how to have interesting conversations. It doesn't reflect on sex, having fun. You know what I'm saying? And I just appreciate the opportunity to be in front of you guys to express. Because I can go wrong. I don't know what to take. Because obviously, I know a lot of folks got to share some stuff. But you truly open a lot. What's your name again? I like to get you to know me because I can share a lot of good information when you talk about this that young lady that you were uh, seven years. Trust me, man. I had some stories to tell you, but um, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to know something personal about me. We had to argue about food all the time. Oh, wow. We are facing to the house person. I know it's a big house.
So I thought to myself, act smart for it. Not emotional, but you're the only one. Little did I know, God had placed someone across from me who decided to work later that evening to overhear the entire conversation from his officer. And so I started asking my officer, where's your escort? This is private property. He then got offended and said, I need you to come with me. I need the handcuff. At that time, it was Jewish woman. It was a part that said, no officer, Mr. Winston. As he told you, he works for his firm. He's a proud member of his firm. And can I help you? Here's when reality said, when he turned to her, and he apologized for everything to her. And left my presence. I was furious. I felt humiliated. I felt degraded as a black man, a black man, who had done everything he thought was right. For that officer to then walk away, and I sit there numb from my head to my feet. Wanting, as a 23 year old black man, to just call on and to cry, because that's how I felt. I was strong, but I felt young again. Like I just need my mom and dad so I can talk to them about what happened. So the attorney says to me, What would you like to do, Philip? I said, I just need to go home. By the time I got home, they had part of the firm called because they knew what was in place. We're talking about Philip Winston. He will have BBT here tomorrow. He'll be having Merch Magazine here tomorrow. He will have the Volume Observer here tomorrow. We don't act quickly. Got home, called my mom and dad. They talked to me, they prayed me. The next day, it's work. My partner called me at the office, sitting in the conference room table. Not only the head partners of the firm, but the chief of our police, along with the accusing officer, along with the witnesses. That evening, they said, what would you like to see instead? I said, the officer of that caliber should not be representing the city of our police. So I went effective immediately at 12.30 p.m. All of his duties and his the officer chief of the police said, as the officer stand up, he said, effective at 1235, an officer for the city of Long North Carolina, please remove yourself from the premises and from this department. At that time, I saw justice that I was a police And I've always been like this. I was trained to be so to answer your question, said, what is missing with the young people, this community? I grew up with there was community. In 1968, they enrolled East Capitol Street to shrimp up. That was community. If I didn't get home before the lights came on, if my mom and dad didn't tell me, that's what somebody else told me. Phil, you need to get your butt home. Yeah. Why are you at Chef's Table? Why are you at the shrimp boat? Why are you at 7-Eleven standing out front? You need to get home. There was community, there were other people who were in charge of me, who weren't my mom and dad. Because they wanted to have a voice in my life. They wanted to be a part of me. Yes, they wasn't my parent, but they too felt responsible for me. And that's what's missing, is we see these young boys, and they're growing up, and there's no community. We don't say anything. We don't say anything. So as I became an adult and I started practicing and I moved back here to DC and I got um, stage pre-cancer, didn't know it. And now I had to deal with this other fight. 
How do I do this as a strong black man? How do I fight stage three cancer but still be that first grandchild of other grandchildren on the industry? How do I have the courage to do this and still be well-dressed, still wear my suit, still go to chemo, still go to radiation, still do the work I'm supposed to do? How do I do this? And I said, I'm fearful, not of the cancer, but of the process. It's the process I don't want to go through. So I went through it, God blessed me, he healed me, I went through it, he didn't miss a beat, I came out stronger than ever. Then I'm walking in the street one day, and I see a gentleman looking at me from afar. And you know, when I walk the street, I've always been robust, never been a very choice, always 36 to 40. <laughs> 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 and okay with it. <laughs> you know, we used to wear my daddy's shoes, size 12, and I was in the sixth grade, and I was a big boy. I was close to one day he caught me and he said, I knew he was my mom. Because he wasn't going to recess, he was coming home, but he knew how he wore his clothes and how he wanted to follow. At that time, he taught me about image and about quality over training. Black quality, you feel like this is how you look. I used to watch my father. He was a corporate guy and he was a hustler. I said, How can you be corporate and you a hustler? But he didn't sell the drugs. He just had a team of people that did it. But guess what? He never brought it on. Mm -hmm. He knew how to separate it. And he would take us to Silver Spring, white tablecloth, and teach us like Jordan. Teach us how to eat from the table. So I went for years with this knowledge from my father, who I bought from my father. Until the age of 26, I realized he wasn't my father. He was a man that my mother fell in love with at the age of two. Because my biological father had left my life with But he never showed that he wasn't my real dad. He came in and community, he stepped in and saw this was the first grandchild. This is a young, young man that needs me because I love his mom. And he taught me and he loved me like I was a But then at 26, I get a phone call that my dad. And he wants to see me. So immediately I'm thinking my biological. Who's talking about my stepdad? No, feel your biological father. My biological father. What he wants from me, I haven't seen him. I don't know what he looks like. Y'all believe that he used to watch me and see me going to school. He was standing on the corner to make sure I got to school safe. He never knew how to approach me when he was ashamed. He was a heroin user drugs in and out of DC jail, in and out of prison. But he still wanted to make sure I was safe and he saw how I was being raised. And like Jordan, he asked to see me and I saw him. And he asked forgiveness. And I told myself, God will forgive me for my sins. Who am I not to forgive you? Who am I not to forgive you? You were still my father. And so instead of him going to hospice, that's what I moved him into my two bedroom apartment. And I allowed hospice to take care of him under my watch. And for four months, I nursed and fed my dad, a man that never did. Didn't teach me how to ride my Didn't lead me at all. But it was my responsibility to be there for my father. Because guess what? I exist because of So I had to forgive in order for me to move forward. And that is why I started 
two image results because the image is everything. You look at the outside, and that's why a lot of people judge us by what they see on the outside. And I do it for men because we are boys on the inside. Before this, you would never know our brokenness and that we were without fathers if we didn't say it. Because first thing you go on, oh, look what he got. He got a, a suit, he got some custom shoes. But you don't know my story. Give me the opportunity to share my story and I guarantee you will have an insight to what happened. <coughs> and so I help men to be who they truly are. Men fear me when I come to them as a client because of the fact that Phil's going to get me inside. Before I can dress you, tell me who you are. Not what you see in the papers of GQ, but who are you? Based on who you are, now I'm going to take your shot and put something on you that fits you, not that fits Roland. Because see, I can't wear Roland's Only Roland can wear this because it fits Roland. But we as men, we have to be okay embracing and having these dialogues with ourselves because we don't know how to approach and shake a hand to another brother and say, hey, bro, you doing a lot business you have. I like your goatee. I like your hustle. Why? We're intimidated. Why are you intimidated with me? I can help you. I can show you along the way. I can share my story. But there has to be community. There has to be brotherhood outside of this form right here. We have to exchange and really be transparent. Sam and I met at one of the firms I was working with, Sam to the engineer. Sam used to admire what I would wear. He wore a uniform and he approached me one day. He said, brother, I love your smile. So thank you, so thank you. He said, thank you. He said, thank you. He said, man, he said, I'm sorry. Because he was confident as a man to step to someone who was well-dressed and say, I can relate to that. And then 20 years later, he's like my brother from another one. He told me one day to touch my heart, and I shared a whole lot of intimate things. He said, you see me cry, you see me broken. I've fallen in love. I've been in love and love talk. And it broke me. But I could go to see I could go to my true friends. As a six foot two man, two eight, and cry. How do I go home from here? How do I go on from here because I'm depressed, bro. I don't even want to pay. I don't even want to brush my hair and be the person that people see. I can't be him because I can't fake it. I got to be real because there's another brother who's going through the same thing. And the only way he can heal, I got to be real. I can't show up to work. So I'm going to take leave for three weeks because I'm still hurt. I can't make you thousands of dollars hurt. I don't know how to do that. But I guarantee you, once I'm healed, I'm going to share this
Um, I'm from this area, DC, Division Avenue, State Terrace, Lincoln Heights, Cloud Lake, you know I'm not too much different from the brothers up here. Um, but I knew my dad, but he wasn't in the house with me as a kid. But um, he was there for me every morning. Um, my dad did not give himself emotion to me. He's saying, Me, I'm only child. I don't have brothers and sisters. He told me how to finance, be responsible, be respectful. He didn't give me anything under the sun but, but his emotions. And, um, I found that that's me. As much as I love my wife, we have three daughters. I found the fault with myself that most people think their own children are very selfish. Um, I was not raised that way. I, if I had something, we all had. If, if, if I had something with me, we had. If I had some toys, we all had. I had the house to come in and play Atari all day. My mom's, we had a neighborhood house. So I always was a person in mind sharing things, but um, I didn't realize came on into my life that uh, my emotions you could not have. Um, my mother was a typical strong black woman. You know, did what she had to do. I went to private school on Capitol Hill. So throughout my adolescence, first to eighth grade, I went to school on Capitol Hill. So, as a young kid, I had a very unique perspective of the world versus my peers. I went to school with Asians, Africans, Arabs, Latins, excuse me, I'm offended anybody about this talk. But um, I, I had an understanding that we all are the same, but we all lie the same. You know, but I would get on the train at Eastern Market, <coughs> and every stop I would get to would get a room. That train would be darker. Attitude, but but it was normal to me, but not normal once I got to the road. People from the road didn't know how to act on you know, South Carolina. People from South Carolina didn't know how to act on the road. The mom would always tell me, "You get a car." She point out that she said, "You ain't helping on that trash can. That could be you." She said, "The young men standing next to them." They just wait to take their place around that trash. They just wait to take that paper bag off of it and give it to the next generation. That could be you. So don't ever think that because you have this kind of school education, you have to love me and your dad. These streets don't want You are ideal for you. So I always had that my parents are civil rights activists, um, very pro black. Um, my dad would not let me wear a jersey with a white man's name on it. He said, our family, families and generations have gone through that. I dare buy something for my mom because somebody's name is not African American. You, you, find, you find somebody, I don't care who it is, I don't care who you don't know. But you're going to find a black man in the store today in Jersey. They don't sell one. <laughs> <laughs> Tell my kids, um, if you watch these videos of kids, it's like history, mom. She don't want to hold the dogs. <clears throat> That's your grandmother. 
Don't, don't disconnect from that image. That's the same lady that's paying your iPhone bill. That's cooking you that breakfast. So don't disconnect it. Oh, I saw that on TV. That's some old black and white footage. No, that lady that you love, you respect, that she 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 laid down something for us to have it, for me to be able to go to private school. For you to have an iPhone, for us to have a job the things we had. Standing on the shoulders of giants. So um for for me, um again, I can share a lot of you guys uh, guys' story. But um, the most thing, like the top is, like Sid said, we got to uh, get into the trenches with our kids. We got to let them know that we're closer to where they are, the further than what they are. Um, we, we, we are in what I call an analog digital generation. Um, a lot of us can remember turning on the TV by hand, watching a black and white picture, and now our kids are streaming things. So I'm right away right now. I don't have a problem. I cut the other one more than It's not a problem. It's not a problem. The lights go out. It's not a problem. It's colors. It's not a problem. So I have to show my kids that you are not hinged on technology. You are hinged on human development. That's, that's really where you're growing your life. Like I got girls. You meet boys. There's certain things that they have to have in place, parameters that they have to have in place. Because I can't understand you liking somebody to a point that you um, already need to give yourself to them, give your heart to them, and you ain't believe you should be in there and make their parents. Right. You don't the You don't have to, you know, you don't have videos, checks. But um, what do you really know about them if you haven't been about them? What does he do? Does he protect you when you're out of public? Do you feel safe when you're out of public? You don't want to find out all these things in the wrong way, the wrong time, in the wrong way. You know, that's, that's when it's too late. So, um, I appreciate you saying, uh, bringing me up here. Um, I wasn't expecting that. But um, I know, say, we, we, we go to uh, church together. We, uh, we're in ministry together. This is another brother that's in the ministry with me as well. Thompson, and uh, we, we've always been transparent together in class, you know, on, on most, most of our, our ministries. So, um, yeah, I definitely thank you, brothers, for coming out and being so transparent about, you know, some of the topics and stuff that we're discussing. So, it, and it's extremely necessary for us to just continue this of what we're doing right now. And, um, you know, of course, this won't be on the news. Of course, this won't be. Uh, you know, set as a positive influence on the other side. But I just, um, I'm proud of all of you brothers. And I think that, you know, together, we just, we can be great, you know, and we just have to hold each other accountable. And uh, I don't mind anybody holding my coattails and any brother you want to you know, really straighten up because I'm only there for you. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a back and forth thing, and um, it's just necessary. To have these conversations and us to be so transparent. And I mean, I know some of the, the ladies, uh, the women that are in the audience, um, might have never even experienced this as far as uh, having 10 or 15 men just pretty much open up about whatever issues and stuff that we're having. So, I mean, this is, uh, I think this is just a powerful thing, and um, I'm proud of each and every one. So I want to so we're gonna take a break here and then 
I get to do this all the time with the men in my life, you know, but to be able to share it, then I have some of my, my sisters here from, from church and that, you know, and we have these dialogues and for them to be able to actually sit, listen to men that are married, men that have gone through some things, you know, they have their own challenges and their own struggles, but this could be something that can help them, you know, and a lot of times, um, as a person, as a human being, we try to do the best we can with what we know. And as women, a lot of times we're broken in ways that we don't want to talk about. So we're expecting somebody else to take our trash out, grab our bags, and pull it alongside of their bags, you know, and allow us to just dump, dump, dump. But then we don't have the emotional capacity to allow the person that we're expecting to do all this to be able to do the same. So this helps women <coughs> on both sides that we need to be more attentive, we need to pay attention to what's going on, we need to be able to listen without speaking, we need to not be judgmental. You got people that want to judge you before you can open your mouth, they don't even know nothing about you, they don't know what's going on inside, but they already have to judge you because of the way you look and how you feel and whatever's going on. But we got to be able to allow someone else just to be be you. As a kid said, be 100. <laughs> <laughs> be 100. I'm at all times. I'm telling you, when you're consistent about who you are, everybody else knows, oh, no, that's who she is. That's who he is. You know, so there's no question about who you are. They already know. You know, and as Phil said, I, as my kids, I say to them, who are you? Somebody was to ask you who you are, who are you? You got to be able to answer that. And answer with conviction and authority, knowing that hey, this is who I am, and it's okay to be me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I, they know I'm not gonna be on my best behavior at all. Never. So the deal is this: I insist who I am. I love me, and I love me because God loved me first, and He allows me to be me. He already knows before I got here what I was. Between my beginning and my end, he already knows what's happening in the middle. All I got to do is be willing to go over the truck, do my part, whatever that may be, and at the end of it, be able to say, okay, I'm at the gate, you go cut through. That's all I need. And whoever I touch and whoever I'm there for, that's what I'm supposed to do. Everybody's not in my life for a lifetime. So whatever time they there for, do your part. And if you think they only get to drop another two so that when they move on to the next thing, they good. But while they there with you, you're doing your part. You got your hand in it and you're covering them the way you're supposed to. Because when they walk away, they can never say you never did your part in their life. That's all we need to make. All right, I'm done. Let's go eat. Thank you for joining me on Her Perspective of a True Man. I hope that you have truly enjoyed this sit-down conversation, having real talk with real men as they express their feelings, their thoughts, and how life has been. So join me next week for part two of Men, Can We Talk? Can't wait to see you next week. Bye-bye.